So if you found Psalm 148, I'll invite you to stand tonight if you're able to do so easily. Psalm 148, there are 14 uh, verses in this, in this psalm. We want to go ahead and read all of them this evening. And then I'll have a word of prayer and ask you to be seated. We'll get things going on tonight. The Bible says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. And so there's a where right there in the heavens and the heights. That's not going to be the focus of the message tonight, but I did want you to see that. We've got an answer to a, here's where you're supposed to praise. And I think that kind of is going to um, give us a hint about this next part. So praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. Praise ye Him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars of light, praise him, ye heavens of heaven, heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, and snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. Now, this is a joke, what I'm going to say right now. I notice there's one group of people that, so you've got young men, maidens, old men and children. So it looks like there's at least one group, the elderly ladies don't have to praise the Lord anymore. But anyway, let's just skip that. Um, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto Him. Praise ye the Lord. So, a number of weeks ago, I began doing this, started with uh, Psalm 145, maybe it was 44, and uh, started just going through these these psalms. I wanted to go to Psalm 150, and just, um, these are psalms that all have to do with praise. Some of them have to do with who is to praise. Some of them ha- have to do with how um, uh, praise is accomplished. Some of them have to do um, with where praise is accomplished, all those who, what, when, why, and where kinds of questions. And uh, when I came, began to study this passage, the, the thing that, the, this psalm, the thing that uh, immediately struck my attention was um, the what here. And I, I distinguish what from who. Uh, I think of always, when I think of the word who, I think of uh, uh, people groups, human beings. And, but here we've got a passage of scripture that, that, tells, um, uh, that, that tells things that are not human that they are to praise the Lord too. I, and, and that is a remarkable thing to think about, um, that that not only are you and I to give praise to God, but everything that God created is to give Him praise. Uh, the passage is uh, very specific about this. It says that the angels and the hosts of heaven are to praise Him. It says the sun and the moon and the stars are to praise Him. It says that the heavens of heavens are to praise Him. Uh, it says that the dragons and the deeps, and this is an interesting thing since uh, you know most of us would say that dragons don't exist anymore, um, some of you I know in this room are Sasquatch doubters, but um, uh, you know the Bible says that there's such a thing as dragons. If there can be dragons, there can be Sasquatches too. And so, uh, and uh, uh, I 
personally believe it is an arrogant human being who thinks that that man has already discovered every living being, every living thing on this earth. But that's just me. The Bible says that even the dragons and the deeps are to praise him. The Bible says that fire, hail, snow, vapor, and wind is to praise him. The Bible says mountains and hills and fruitful trees and cedars are to praise him. And I'm going to just get to throw out, I didn't, this isn't like I did a huge study on this, but the Bible says fruitful trees and cedars. Uh, what, I, what I think it's trying to say there is that, you know, there's a kind of tree that bears fruit and there is a kind of tree that does not. And I think that that's the distinction. Those trees that bear fruit are to praise him. All of the kinds of trees that do not bear fruit are to praise him as well. The beasts, the cattle, the creeping things and the fowl, all of them are to praise the Lord. And I'd like to suggest to you that they are commanded to praise God. And I think very often those things that are not people praise God better than people do. Verses 11 and 12, the psalm does command certain people, I already mentioned this, certain people groups to praise the Lord. It talks about kings and people and princes and judges and young men and maidens and old men and children. All of them are to praise the Lord. Um, So I took some time this week and I tried to categorize all of these different, you know, uh, um, created things that are to praise the Lord. And there's the invisible things. There are the distant things. There are the unseen and unknowable things. There are the essential things and the inanimate things. And then there's the, the living but not human things. Um, all are to praise the Lord. And we could kind of put all of that, lump it all together. It's creation. God's creation is to praise. It doesn't matter whether it's a human being or, uh, or, or uh, a creeping thing. Um, everything that God has created... Um, is commanded to praise the Lord. Um, and I considered working on a message on, on that and how a dragon would praise the Lord or how a mountain would praise the Lord or uh, 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 how a creeping thing would praise the Lord. Uh, but uh, instead, as I began to study this, cha- this, this psalm, buried in the heart of the psalm, right in the middle, in the heart of the psalm, are two verses that tell creation... Um, uh, that, that telling creation that they are to, and I'm just going to read it to you, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they are, were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. He, 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 com, he tells the creation why they are to praise him. And that's where I'm going to focus my attention tonight. Why creation, and by the way, you would, and I would be including that. So why creation is to praise the Lord. Number one, uh, we are to create, praise Him, He says, because we're commanded to. In Psalm 148 and verse 5, for He commanded and they were created. And I'm just going to use that. So, I mean, we ought to be, I mean, we ought to praise God that He is, is, is such a powerful God that when He speaks, what He speaks is accomplished. He commanded and they were created a lot of years ago now. It was, in fact, I don't even know how many years. Uh, I preached a message out of Genesis chapter 1 um, on, uh, I just called it, and it was so. Our God is an, is an, 
and it was so, God. Um, he spoke, and it was so, day number one. He spoke, and it was so, day number two. He spoke, and it was so, day number three. He spoke, and it was so, day number four. He spoke, and it was so, day number five, and on and on. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a portion of the introduction that I uh, to that message that I preached so many, very many years ago. And just going to read it to you. This is something that I wrote years and years ago, six times in Genesis chapter one. The Bible says, God spoke, and it was so. God spoke, and what he spoke came to be. The forward phrase comes from, and it was so, the forward phrase comes from two Hebrew words. The first of those uh, is where we get, and it was so. And Strong's Dictionary says it's more than a mere conjunction between subject and predicate. The word is always emphatic, and it was so, is always emphatic. Vine's Expository Dictionary of the biblical, of biblical Words says it's more than a simple existence or identity. Rather, the verb makes a strong statement about the being or presence of a person or thing. Then there's, so that's, and it was. And then the next phrase, the second, or the next word is, is so. And it was so. Strong's Concordance says that this word so means to set upright. And again, uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary, the Biblical Word, says um, that this so means right, veritable, honest. The word implies honest or righteous. And that means that means that when God made all that is, He did it emphatically. He did it powerfully. And He did it right. It's it, he did it well. He did it with um, with statement. He did it with force. He did it with power. He did it with confidence. He he didn't have to look out there and say, "Man, what am I going to do about those creeping things?" He just said, "Creeping things be," and they were. And they, and it was so. When God made the earth, He made it right. When God made life, He made it right. When God made man, He made him right. When God instructed man, He instructed him right. What God says is so. It's right. It's upright. It's emphatic. It's it's. Purposeful and it's right. Six times in Genesis chapter one, the Bible says, and it was so. And every single time it was right. What God does, he does right. And that's a reason to praise him. I know once in a while you start thinking, you know, he must have made a mistake or something went wrong here. Or uh, I got put in the wrong time period. Every once in a while you say a person was born in the wrong time frame. You know, they should have been born uh, or they were born in the wrong place or the wrong, wrong continent. You know, should have been born in the Old West or they should have been born on the, in, you know, in the in, in East Coast and, or something like that. And they should have been born in the medieval times or whatever it is. No, we were born exactly when we were supposed to be born. Uh, we were born exactly to the the parents we were supposed to be born to. We were born in exactly the right circumstances, exactly the time that God... You say, well, I don't like the circumstances and I don't like the situation and I don't like all of the environment and I don't like the things that have happened in my life and I don't like the way I was born. I don't like the things that are part of my life. I don't like the things that I have to deal with and the struggles and the complications. And I'm just telling you, what God did for you is right. And you can praise the Lord for it. I'm not saying that you've done everything right. When you didn't do right, you ought to confess that thing and make it right. But the fact is, but what God has done, He has done right. And so it just tells us in Psalm 148 and, and verse number 11, uh, verse number, uh, uh, verse number 5, let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. He commanded and it happened just like that. Number two, uh, we ought to praise the Lord. Uh, creation ought to praise the Lord because it says he established and it is forever. In Psalm 148 and verse six, he hath also established them forever and ever. So he cre- he commanded and they were created. He established he established them 
for, and you have to really work at saying established, not established, but he established them forever and ever. Now, this word established, it's not one that we use very often in our day. What it means is to stand. It means to hold one's ground. It's the, it's the, it's the concept of defending your place. I used to say when we lived in Oklahoma, went to Southwest Baptist Church, that when you went there, you had to go early. You had to stake your claim, your seat that you're going to sit in, and then you couldn't leave. Once you found your seat, you had to claim it and defend it. If you ever move, someone else is going to take that seat, especially if you're sitting up front, someone was going to take that seat because everyone wanted to be close enough to see Pastor Davison and, um, and, uh, and all that. So they ever, but if you got there early enough to get a good seat, then you had to stay by that seat. You couldn't go walking around shaking hands and things like that. You had to stay right there and you couldn't put your Bible down because I'll guarantee in that place, the Bible didn't mean, a Bible and a seat didn't mean anything. If a Bible, if a seat had no person occupying it, just a Bible there, the Bible got moved and the seat got taken and it was just the way it was pardon me i put my bible there oh here you can have it and you know that was the way it was and uh, you had to i mean you had to d- take you had to stand your ground is what um, is the idea there and the word that means you get established you get there and you establish you establish yourself in the place and uh, and that's what the word means it means you 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 claim a ground and you hold on to it you stay right there and listen that which God God has created was he says he established it that which God has created he's created to survive he's created he has created it to endure he didn't create the world decide it was wrong wipe it out and begin again um, there is an old theory that I think it was you know this is just my I'm you know I'm gonna I, this is just how I see things there's an old theory that preachers used to preach um, called the gap theory and i think the reason they did it is they're trying to find a way to um they're trying to find some way to uh to blend what evolutionary science seemed to have been discovering and what the bible absolutely says the bible says that god created everything in um six literal days and on the seventh day he rested and we know that the bible says that we know that it's not talking about thousands of year-long days it's talking about the evening and the morning were the first day so it's talking about a 24-hour period of time each day is 24 hours. we know that and yet um uh evolution says that you know we can look into science can and, and evolutionary science can see age can see millions and billions of years and all these things and in the early days of this evolutionary this battle with uh, between creation and evolution. Some of the preachers didn't know really how to deal with it, and you know we do this as human beings, don't we? Um, when we can't figure out how to deal with something, we try to logic it out rather than just believing the Bible. Now I'm this way. I'm, I'm someone one time called me a wood-headed biblical thinker. If you ever want to know what my problem is, this is it right there. It's wood-headed, all right? And um, I don't listen to excuses. I don't listen to reasons. I don't listen to people give me numbers, Brother Brown, or anything else. I don't need any of that. The Bible says this. I believe the Bible, so there. I'm not going to debate it with you. I'm not going to argue it with you. I'm not going to show you my proof and you show me my, uh, your proof and we're going to, and we'll come to some reasonable compromise in this thing. The Bible is right and you're, and if you don't believe the Bible, you're wrong. Right. It's that simple. But there was a time when pastors, certain, you know, preachers would want to, and I'm not complaining about these preachers. One, my grandfather in the faith, Brother Al Lacey, was, I mean, absolutely stuck on this thing. He called, it was the gap, it's called the gap theory. Have I said that yet? The gap theory. And, um, and Brother Lacey would call it, he said, it's not the gap theory, it's the gap fact. And, uh, and the gap, 
theory, I'm going to almost say gap fact, is this idea that God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and it all got messed up. He created the angels according to the gap theorists. That's when he created the angels and Lucifer and all that kind of stuff. But when Lucifer sinned, fell from heaven, a third of the angels went down with him, that God then uh, made the earth void. And darkness then, after the creation and after the fall of the angels, that the world became void and then the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth and rebuilt it again in seven, in six days. And uh, that idea, listen, he didn't create the world and then say, oh man, Lucifer blew it, so i got to start all over again. He, that, he, didn't, he didn't wipe it out. He didn't say, man, it did it wrong. i got to start over and wipe it out and begin again. He didn't create some living goo and let it evolve into everything that is. That's what the evolutionary, um, the, the, uh, uh, the uh, Christian evolutionists would, would say. It's the idea that, well, God did create everything, but he did it um, using the evolutionary process. And he created this living force. Nobody knows how to make life. And people have been able to take all of the elements elements that exist in of a human being and put them together, but they've never been able to make it live. And, uh, and life is something that the Bible says uh, that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became, became a living being. And the, no one knows how to do that part of it. They can, they can take, uh, uh, you know, uh, some salt and some water and some other things that you're made out of. I don't know what you're made out of. They can take those things and they can put them together in the very same uh, 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 amount and, and proportions that exist in you and me, but they can't make that thing live. They can't do it. And uh, not even the simplest things. They can't even take little simple amoebas and put together all of those little pieces. They can put all the pieces in there. They just can't make it live. That's something that only God can do. So the, the, uh, the Christian evolutionist would say, well, what God did is he created the living goo. He created that amoeba. He created that goo that had life. And then over millions and billions of years, everything evolved into everything that is. And uh, uh, that isn't what the Bible says. He didn't have to do anything like that. He created all that he created. I heard this word this week. I really liked it. He created everything he created with functional maturity as opposed to apparent age. So for years, I've heard it like this. I've heard that what God did is he created the first tree. To look like it was, you know, 700 years old. And he created um, the first uh, human being to look like he was, let's say, 30 years old. And he created the chicken to look like it was old enough to lay an egg. And, and uh, you know, and he created everything to have the appearance of age. But, um, uh, which means Brother Sunquist the other day asked me, he said, uh, did Adam and Eve have uh, belly buttons? Of course they did, because he made them appear to look like everybody else did. And uh, I don't know, but, uh, he cre- but, but I heard this word the other day, I like this. He, cre- he didn't create everything with, uh, with, uh, with uh, the appearance of age. He created everything with uh, the... With function of age, functional maturity. He created it mature, working mature uh, with age. And that is, it, it, was ex- it was from the beginning exactly what, when God created it, was he created what he created. It was from the very beginning exactly what it would always be. That's what it means. He established it. What he created has always been exactly what it will always be. From the day it began, his creation began. It has always been exactly what it will always be. That's established. But then there's these other two words that he uses. And I, just this is the Bible is fascinating when a person begins to study it. So it says here he, he also established them forever and ever. Now, who would ever guess 
The word ever and the word ever are different words. Now, to me, it works out just right to say forever and ever means like a long, long time. Forever is forever. But when you add an ever to ever, it means it's even longer than that. But the Bible explains, it expresses it better than this. So you got the first ever, the second ever are two different Hebrew words. The first word, the first ever comes from a word um, that means, um, means continual. By the way, there, there is only a, there is a subtle difference in each of these. In fact, the word established means something that endures forever. And then there's this word forever or ever. And um, that word, first word ever means continual. Um, and it has to do um, with a terminus, with a starting point. It's going to go on forever. And it, but it has, it has this starting point. It begins and then continues on and on and on forever. The second word means, um, the, 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 the root of it means to be hidden or concealed. Second ever. It means something that is hidden or concealed. It has to do with the idea of vanishing out of sight. Imagine you're watching like a train on a track. And it's going along and it's, you know, it has a place it started and it goes on and it goes and, you know, and it's on a track longer than you can imagine. And it goes on and on and on and on and you watch it as it just goes off until you can no longer see it. And the, the, word, the second forever, what it, what it means is God has established this thing um, uh, with functional maturity. He has established it to exist, to always be. He, ha- he, has, established, he has established it so that it will continue on. In fact, he has, he has established it so that it will continue so long that you won't even think about it continuing anymore. It'll just always be. What God, what, what God has done is He's create, what God has created is created to endure and created to endure continually and created to endure eternally. That's a reason to praise Him. And then the Bible says, He decreed and it will pass. Psalm 148, the last part of verse 6, he all, uh, the, it says, He hath made a decree which shall not pass. And I, I had to, uh, I chose not to to deal with this. The word "made." He hath made a decree. Made is a kind of creation. It is it is God creating or building something again. But I'm going to kind of leave that alone alone tonight and just deal. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. And why would creation praise? Because he has made a decree that which shall not pass. A decree. The word means. Um, a law or an ordinance. By the way, I'm going to probably, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I don't think it's a rabbit trail. I'm going, what I'm going to do right now is I am going to jump on to a whole new track of thought as we get under this thing. The word decree um, means a law or an ordinance, and it comes from the idea of, um, of something that is engraved. Uh, um, I'm reminded, remember the, the, the law of the Medes and the Persians in the days when Daniel worked for um, uh, Darius and and um, and they came to Darius and someone said if we're gonna uh, the, the 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 presidents and princes were upset that Daniel had a position of leadership in the kingdom and and so they watched Daniel and and trying to find something you could, they could accuse Daniel of and they determined that if they were going to ever find anything that they could uh, c- could accuse Daniel of it was going to have to do with his relationship with Almighty God and so they went to the king and they said King. Uh, 
um, you know, you're such a wonderful king and you're such a powerful king and you're such a noble king and, and we love you so much. We want to honor you. And here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to, uh, for you to sign a decree, for you to make a decree that for the next 30 days, no one can worship, bow down to any other than you. And uh, just out of honor for you. And, uh, and uh, Darius, I mean, this sounds like a pretty good idea. I'm the king and I am a pretty good guy. And you know what? I wouldn't mind getting a little bit of, uh, of approbation for a little bit. And uh, if we want to say, uh, you know, let's call it uh, Darius month, you know, and uh, we'll do it every year on uh, a certain month. It'll just be the, the time when people can. And uh, he says, all right, let's make a decree like that. And he writes the decree that nobody can worship and bow down to anyone besides him or make a request of anyone besides the king for these 30 days. And uh, when this decree is signed and the announcement goes out, Daniel hears that no one is supposed to bow or make a request or uh, before anyone other than the king. Uh, Daniel did exactly what Daniel always did. He went to the window of his house that faced Jerusalem and he bowed down and he worshiped and prayed to almighty God. And wouldn't you know, these princes and presidents, they were there watching because they knew exactly what Daniel would do. He wasn't going to compromise what he believed. He wasn't going to bow down. He wasn't going to, going to, going to stop worshiping God for 30 days just because Darius signed this thing. And so they, uh, you know, captured Daniel and take him to Darius. You, we made this law. You made this law that no one can bow before anyone but you. And, uh, Daniel bowed before his God in Jerusalem. And the king says, Oh no. Now, I'm, this is really paraphrased. I mean, big time paraphrase. Oh, no. I made a law. And when I make a law, my law can't be reversed. Even the king could not reverse his law. He made a decree. And that decree had to happen. The decree said if someone, if anyone bows before or makes a request of anyone besides the, the king for these days, then they're going to be thrown into a, 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 a den full of lions. And, and, uh, and the king has no choice. He has made a law, and his law cannot be rescinded. His law cannot be broken. He made it, and the, and the law stands. And I'm reminded of that when I read this passage. God made a decree, and the decree that God made, it's engraved. It is written in stone. It is unchangeable. I know people are trying to change it today. I know that people are trying to modify it today. I know people are trying to uh, uh, upgrade it and, and uh, update it and make it fit a different kind of culture today. But what God wrote, God does not change. God wrote it in stone. God engraved it in stone. God engraved it in such a way that it cannot be rescinded. It cannot be changed. It is immutable, unchangeable, His Word. It, and, and furthermore, not only is it unchangeable, it'll come to pass. What God has decreed will happen exactly as God decreed it. It'll come to pass. It means that the law that God has given us is engraved, it's fixed, and it, and it won't be carried away, it won't be covered, it won't be altered. The idea of pass. Not going to be covered up. Some people like to ignore the Bible, wouldn't they? Just take the Bible and just cover it up and just forget that Bible. Let's just not talk about the Bible anymore. Let's don't, let's don't uh, uh, bring it up in public circumstances, in public uh, uh, arenas and venues. Let's don't, people get upset when they hear the Bible. People get under conviction when they hear the Word of God. People believe things other than what the Bible says. So let's just cover the Bible up. And if you believe that, that's okay. But believe it in your own, believe it on your own time. Believe it in your, the privacy of your own house. In fact, 
not even in the privacy. If you want to believe it, that's okay. Just don't make your kids believe it. Don't talk to your kids about it uh, because they ought to have a right to decide their own things. It shouldn't be influenced by their parents on these things. And he says that God has decreed this thing and it will come to pass. It means it will not be covered up. That uh, shall uh, which uh, made a decree which shall not pass. It won't be carried away. It won't be covered up. It won't be changed. Uh, uh, and I just can't think of anything else but God's word when I think about this decree. And whether there's something else here, um, it uh, may be, but I do know that it's talking about the word of God. He, he said, and it was so. He gave it, and it'll endure forever. He created it, and it'll endure forever. He wrote it, and not a jot or a tittle will pass. But God said that he would preserve these words forever. This generation, forever. He preserved the word of God, gave it in uh, the language of the Hebrews, um, earliest. And then in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ, the language, the, the language of the common people, the language of the world in the days of Jesus Christ was Greek. So he gave the word in Greek. The language of the world today is English. And so God saw fit to preserve his word in the English language. Perfect. Infallible. He decreed that his word would not pass from this generation forever. And he has given us a Bible that has no mistakes. I'm just going to tell you tonight, that's a good reason to praise the Lord. You've got a Bible you can count on. That's a good reason to praise the Lord. I want to, I got to get ready to finish up this thing, uh, tonight. So I want to end with this last, the last two verses of, uh, of Psalm 148. He says in, uh, in Psalm 148 verses 13 and 14, let them pray, excuse me, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him, Praise ye the Lord. Now, the word horn. He exalteth the horn of his people. What in the world does that mean? Remember how um, it, the Bible talks about in the last days there will be, be, come uh, this uh, ram and it's got ten horns. Um, the idea of a horn was, um, was a, an established authority. It, it, was a, it was a rule. It had to do uh, with strength. With, with some kind of, of authority or some kind of strength. And, and what he, God says is he exalts or he elevates, or he makes, um, he lifts up, raises up that thing which gives his people strength. Can I tell you what gives God's people strength? Praising him. You want to have strength in your life? You want to have the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life? You want to be someone who has, who has God's authority to, uh, to be a witness and a lighthouse to others? Learn to praise God. Learn to give Him praise. Learn to praise the name of the Lord. Because God exalts the strength of the horn of His people when they praise the name of the Lord.